Hello and welcome to Leviathan News. Today is August 17th and it's so over. It's so over. Volatility is back in the markets. Bitcoin is dropping like a rock, headed to zero. And we have on the Blockmates guys. Dan and Jedi are here to uh, talk about what's happening on chain and why it's so different, why it feels so different from what's happening in the markets. So welcome. Thank you very much for having us. Super excited to be chatting with you fellas about all the on-chain degeneracy that is there because sex trading is just boring. <laughs> well, not today. Uh, markets are down around a uh, percent and a half, which is quite a change from the last month. We've been in this like just crab pattern. Uh, you know, looking at the Bitcoin price, it's the same price as it was. Even with this little downturn that we have, it's the same price that it was back in March. So three months of really just going nowhere and even worse for Ethereum as well, too. Ethereum's back at the same price that it was at March and really a very tight trading market during that time period. Very low volatility. Um, but like you guys are saying, it's not really representative of the broader narrative of what's happening on chain. So why is there this disconnect? I think one word. I think it's boredom, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But I yeah. also think I also think there's a there's a discussion to be had, and I'll let Dan pass his comments from my boredom one too. You know where where's the sentiment right now around Coinbase and what Coinbase is doing with Base? I think that's quite a big one that we can chat about. But I think primarily boredom. What do you think, Dan? Mate, hundred percent boredom. Like you're not going to get your endorphins uh, flipping on you know the, the the large caps i mean i've just flicked on trading this for the first time today it's been such a crazy day literally the only things that, that are green or like decently green is solana and everybody's favorite probably because wag me might or might not be coming soon and ice ice is up five percent on the day who'd have yeah. thought it like, everything is tanking you know we talked about this a couple of weeks uh, maybe like two weeks ago uh fiscantes who is a crypto twitter influencer published a kind of a longer I don't want to call it cynical, but definitely uh, this maybe out of boredom, like you said, where we, we have all these L2s launching, but it's just the same kind of forks over and over again. Like you get your Dex forks, lending forks, maybe some other like Tomb or whatever kind of games people, Ponzi's people want to play and half of them get rugged. Maybe half of them kind of like go to zero. Uh, so, like, w what's needed to kind of revitalize the market and get things going again? Or what are some of the promising sectors that you guys have seen? I think sometimes it's hard to say specific sectors because the way we kind of see it at the moment is everybody's bored and everybody needs that dopamine rush. And mm -hmm. the dopamine rush is it's on chain. You can see it as... Let's say, you know, like the, the big caps are like your Apple, your Microsoft, they're, you know, slightly nicer in inverted commas, takes with a pinch of salt, safer stocks that you might buy and hold for a very, very long time. But then you go to things like GME and AMC where you can get a buzz, you can get a rush. I know all four of us here have aped into a, into a, a micro cap coin under 100K and watched it, or even under like 20K and watched it absolute moonshoe. Moon the adrenaline there is freaking uncontrollable and unstoppable. That is what people are looking for. And that is what people are getting from on chain. 
because when you really do break down, and this is just my opinion, I could be completely wrong here. In my opinion, crypto is for two big things, okay? Number one is obviously cross-border payments because you can send $100 million for less than a fiver from, from here to Argentina, right? It's also there for gambling and speculation, which is why right now, Gamble Fight is leading the way along with all of these bots because they're making it easier for us to get a quick fix and a quick hit of, of dopamine when we make a trade, whether it's good uh, or whether it's bad. And Jedi and I were actually going deep into this conversation a little bit earlier because we were thinking, well, why is Gamble Fire taking off now? Well, when you look back a year ago and we were at Sana Breakpoint and we were talking to a few projects about it, they were on the right lines, but they didn't quite get it. And the biggest difference between what they were doing back then and what's happened now is they were trying to focus on normies. They weren't really focusing on degenerates. Mm -hmm. Well, who's left in crypto right now? Well, it's us four plus the other guys in Blockmates and Leviathan. Right? And obviously the five would be as much gambling against each other, right? The devs now that are running all of these projects like Unibot, like Yolo Polo, like um, Maestro, like you could say even like what, uh, RL Rollbit as well. They're... Mm -hmm. They're on-chain, they're, they're, they're people who have been deep in the trenches before at some stage. So they understand what we need. And I think that's where the products now are doing so much better. Plus, obviously, of course, you're getting all of the Twitter influencers and whatnot getting paid, you know, 250k a month. Not any of us, though, to, to shield the coin. You know, also, there's these, like, rev share programs as well, too. Yeah, yeah. But mm -hmm. I, I'd see that's why, you know, the, those narratives are. And then you can think about, like, base. We were talking about this earlier. Like, I am so, you know, quietly bullish on base, or sorry, bullish on Brian because he's <laughs> making a lot of the right decisions at the right times, releasing the right products into the right environment. Well, those are the ones that we kind of, like, see, right? Because... Six months ago, Coinbase, or maybe a little while longer, Coinbase launched their big NFT platform, which went nowhere, right? So in this cycle, they've been able to quietly launch Base and, and have it be initially successful from what it looks like. Uh, I still think there's a lot to go, but it seems like there are some opportunities on Base that you won't be able to have on uh, Arbitrum or Optimism, simply because Coinbase will fully support support it from a like exchange perspective like if, if you think about building like kyc environments or uh having these uh like the best bridge right uh, because the the base bridge is great right and going in and out of coinbase it's going to be fully supported uh, there's probably a lot of upside there that other networks would have to go and beg the the centralized exchanges to build out for them i mean and then you also get that the the perfect storm where Shibarium launches, they open up their, their, yeah, we're all laughing, but I mean, obviously it sucks for those people who got, who got caught, but I mean, for those of you who don't know, Shibarium launched last night, my time, so um, I think it was early afternoon US time, and their bridge basically broke, and a whole lot of ETH got stuck on the bridge, they can't recover it, people essentially got rugged, and that was the rest in peace Shibarium, whereas Base, even though their, their bridge was kind of like a seven-day to leave, Synapse was all over it. And Synapse was up and running three days later. And 
I mean, Synapse is one of the most reliable bridges in the space, whether you like them or not. So, you know, you can get in and out, no problem, whereas Shibarium is pretty much, you know, rest in peace, <laughs> which doesn't really help Shibarium, but it does base because base, like, check, guys, you can have fun, you can play, and you can come our way, and you're not going to land up losing your ETH on the way in. Could you even speculate that base, that DeFi on base in the next bull run will rival Ethereum? You reckon, eh? You're putting your money on that. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, yeah. I'm gonna yeah. say, yeah, and I'm gonna say it quite confidently. I think it will rival um, Ethereum purely because Coinbase has got such a fat stack of Ethereum that if you're an LSD fire or an LA or LAPDFI or LPDFI or whatever, and you're not cons already considering going to base, then you should probably start considering it, in my opinion. Yeah. I, th I think I think they, they're going to be cooking up something big for it. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it plays out over the next few months. I know with the Shibarium thing, I checked this morning, it was up to like 1.8 million now. Uh, it's unclear based on reports whether that's going to be just locked forever. Uh, if so, then ultrasound money. Hey, hey, hey. Like <laughs> Ethereum proves it's worth again as the uh, the best deflationary currency in the world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if not, then uh, I'm sure the Shibarium guys will get it all sorted out. Um, well, I hope so. I mean, it's I think it's a fun thing, but it's never cool when people lose money. I mean, we can kind of smile about it and joke about it, but it's, it's kind of like you transferring even... Two ETH. I mean, a lot of the DJs don't have much. They really are relying on those players, you know, those hundred Xs. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't realize how many of them there are. You know, you, I mean, all you got to do is go and watch the price action on a lot of these coins, and you'll see guys are putting in like 30, 40 bucks, 20 bucks. Um, you know, it's a lot of money for some people. Someone who, who moves one ETH across a bridge and loses it, trust me, they feel it. Um, yeah. And you don't need, you don't really need that kind of shit in the space. Um, and I think the real, just coming back to your original question around like what, what is the, you know, what is the kind of like the crux of what's going on at the moment? I think there's boredom, but I also think that if you know what it is that you're doing on chain and you know what players to make, you can actually make a lot of money. Like it's, it really is that simple. Obviously, there's going to be more losers than winners. That's the, the nature of all markets. But at the same time, I think there are some really good players out there at the moment. Um, obviously, as Dan mentioned, the the bots is a big thing. Oh, the irony that we, we're buying all these coins in these projects that are essentially going to weaken us against each other, you know, when, when the trading the trading floor opens for the next shitcoin. You know what I mean? It's like, well, he used this bot. Well, I used this one, and it's way faster than your bot, so screw you, buddy. Yeah. And that's what the, the, the space really is evolving, right? So we had institutions and maybe bigger players who were running these bots. Now you and I can run them. And now we can compete against each other. And it's, I just find it to be fascinating that, you know, we are effectively supporting the next chapter of this movement. Um, where does it get us? How does it work out? Maybe it's going to become more efficient. Maybe pricing will be a lot tighter. Maybe slippages will be a lot less. Maybe it will just land up being a really positive thing for the space. But I think it's also going to land up making it a lot more difficult to to like essentially outcompete one another you know that saying like know who your counterparty is well guess what gentlemen it's a whole lot of bots and good luck as you fight each other out there in freaking DeFi space 
<laughs> so what about the launch of like yesterday we had OPBNB, which launched uh, stealth launched overnight uh, 22,000 and a half BNB was bridged over um, and people are furiously building over there to try to get things launched. Um, how are these other like L2s for like promoted by exchanges going to fare outside of base? Ooh. I wanna. Uh, it's a real. I'm, I'm stuck between like a hard rock and a thing with uh, OP and BNB, because the way it's been pitched, and you'll probably you may might see it, it's like it's the battle of the bullies, right? So you got bull Brian, <laughs> bull CZ. Obviously, Brian right now has done everything right in order to make sure that base has done really well. I think CZ. Um, and these are just obviously my opinions. I think CZ has become just a massive meme now. So I don't know how much traction something like OP, BNB will get. Mm -hmm. um, you'll probably you obviously like get all the rugs and whatever, but what I think the chain will need to have is a very quick and sustainable um, micro cap kind of like shitcoin casino. Because one of the things that I, one of the reasons why I think base was so successful so quickly not only did they accidentally release the bridge seven days later so you could you know you had to have your money there for seven days so you were bored shitless for seven days you may as well do something with your money over there like get rugged but what bald did whether it was sbf whether it was sam tabasco whether it's another fdx employee or just somebody spoofing their wallets what bald did was created a market commentary in the right places about it so people furiously bridged over dev did their dev thing to create more shit coins it obviously rugged which is unfortunate but it, it 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 brought liquidity straight away into the ecosystem and for something like bnb to only have five million bridged over in like the first day it's not a lot it's not a lot not. at all yeah it's not a lot at all as well too uh the like just to check on bases uh tvl uh they are up 25% over the last seven days up to 170 million in TVL. And uh, there's, they really haven't stopped yet. I mean, it's just, it's up only for now. Uh, it really hasn't peaked and we'll see in a month where they actually get to. Um, what do you think about the, the, the say launch that happened yesterday? So uh, say went live or see, say, say, um, say, yes. yeah. And also provided an airdrop as well, too, which I don't think actually went to the people who were testing the network. Um, but trading volumes topped a billion on the first day, and the price dropped 30% um, as people claimed their airdrop and probably sold into the markets. Uh, the, there's two move networks now. There's Aptos and now Say, or is it Sui? Uh, Sui. Sui, yes, it is Sui. Yeah, that is the that's what I've heard people say. Wait, is say is is say Sui. also a move no, environment? This, this one's different. So this one, I think, is built um, towards Cosmos. Ah, okay. Ah. So I, I'm not I'm convinced. Again, attack, ladies and gentlemen. Save me. This is Pringles. <laughs> say hello to the world of crypto. Hello, What's up? Crypto, <laughs> uh, now, now reviews are going to hey, spike. Pringles. Pringles. All oh, right. Okay. Just so here say it is. louder in there, and we'll have like the highest view count ever. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, say is a layer one blockchain built on Cosmos, specialized for high frequency trading applications, which offers faster transaction speed than the likes of Solana. I think I've heard this narrative 
once or twice before. And obviously they've got Jump Crypto, Multicoin, Flow, and a bunch of other large firms on there that usually make the rounds. Um, yeah, I mean, oh, like... No. Mm -hmm. You know what this, you know what, I, 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 my thoughts around this is that this is merely a foundational, it's setting the foundation for what could be in the future as opposed to trying to capitalize on the now and the next six months. This is for, this is a long-term play, like all the other ecosystems. I mean, all other ecosystems are relying on setting up shop, getting all the, the bugs out, you know, getting it to run as efficiently as possible. Um, and that's why it kind of like, for me, it's like a little bit bearish because we don't need more fragmentation of liquidity, even though it's they're not really going to, maybe they will, I don't know, but I don't really see them competing with someone like Arbitrum at the moment. Um, but what it does is that you still do have a certain degree or a certain amount of liquidity that's going to exit other ecosystems. And I don't think it does protocols any favors um, that are doing business on other ecosystems, whether it's ETH, Mayonet, or Arbitrum, it doesn't matter. The point is that fragmentation of liquidity is a real problem. Mm -hmm. um, and until we are in the norm of, you know, products like Layer Zero that can move liquidity around effortlessly and, you know, where it becomes kind of like, you don't even realize it right so that's that's the, the 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 assumption is that we will be in a space probably not too long to go where we won't even realize what chain we're on because of the efficiency of of messaging across chain and the rest of it but we're not there yet and i think fragmentation of liquidity liquidity is a negative thing and a negative outcome in general um because of slippage because of efficiency and all that kind of stuff so if someone was coming to you and saying they want to get into crypto right now while we're like at the bottom of the market, would you advise them just to like invest in like Bitcoin and Ethereum and walk away? Or would you suggest that they go on to one of these kind of new emerging chains and hope to catch like, you know, huge outsized gains from being first on some new chain? I think I think, first of all, that's a really good question. Um, there's obviously... There's many facets to the whole thing, and, and, and but I think the the right answer, in my opinion, is that you got to educate yourself like you would with anything else, right? So it doesn't matter whether you're going to start fly fishing or whether you're going to go surfing or whether you're going to mountain climb or it doesn't it just doesn't matter. You got to do the work before you can go and play the game. And I think the biggest mistake that people make in this space, even the guys that have been around for ages, is that they think it's like this path to least resistance, the path to least resistance for me to make money. As soon as you start thinking around those those kind of like those levels, that's when you land up digging a hole for yourself. I think the most important thing you can do right now is to look at primarily Ethereum, maybe Bitcoin, but I think Ethereum is like the, and I'm by no stretch of the imagination am I an Ethereum maxi. In fact, I'm more of a Bitcoin maxi on a philosophical level in many ways than I am an Ethereum maxi. But I think that Ethereum is like a really good basis for which you can get a 5x. You might even land up getting a 10x from here. It really is possible. Whereas something like Bitcoin, it's really going to take, I think, a lot more time and a lot more momentum for it to get to those kind of numbers. So I think from an investment perspective, Ethereum is a no-brainer for me. And there's probably like, you know, a couple of the, the majors that 
would make for like really good and decent long-term investments. That's something that you would have to discern through the work that you need to put in from a research perspective. What does the research entail? Podcasts, just read the basics and just immerse yourself in the space. That would be my Do you guys want to know a secret? Do you want to know the secret to the simplest crypto portfolio out there? Do you want to know? What is it? It's a three-coin portfolio. Number one, Bitcoin. Number two, Ethereum. Number three, your favorite dog coin. That's it. I thought you were going to say USDC. And then we could just flow right into uh, curve maximalism with a tri-crypto pair. That's also an option. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I think that I reckon like in terms of CRV right now, it's probably one of the most obvious players for the future. It's like really is. It's not going anywhere. It's, It's entrenched. It's it's pretty much bulletproof. It's proven itself, you know, especially over the last month. We've seen what what it the value that it holds just on sentiment alone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, Sam, good call. If uh, I yeah. could offer a counterpoint, though, Mitch is not homeless. So until he's homeless, <laughs> yes, like, and he's not homeless. Him. Yeah, exactly. He dodged he dodged those bullets, and it seems like he he knew what he was doing as well. So, yeah, I think. I think there's some good players out there, you know. I mean, so, we are we could argue that we are at the bottom on pretty much 95% of stuff at the moment. So is it is it gaming though? Like most of the like if you if I've talked to a few ecosystem like grant funders, like you go to like talk to the Avalanche people or Solana as well too or some other people, right? They're all super bullish on games and you know, we we had kind of this emerging gamefi ecosystem that was really marketed well at the top of the bull um companies like uh, star atlas raised tens of millions of dollars oh fortunately star atlas got rugged during the ftx debacle lost 60 million dollars and had to downsize recently um but you know they were on the forefront of producing these huge open world games that people could come in and have this this decentralized economy and um like is this is this really the next wave like are we are we looking at gaming as the kind of the next narrative right because like how much more how much more adoption can stable coins get if we've already had them for a couple of years now i mean i i understand it can always keep growing uh but we're talking about this like exponential growth of, of bringing new users in uh to the crypto economy I'm I know that Dan's reason... got some pretty strong opinions on this one, so I'll let him go first. Okay, so so keep so keep in mind my um so my hit my background as a gamer, uh, I played a lot of RuneScape, I played played a lot of World of Warcraft, I played a shared ton of Call of Duty, uh, Battlefield, uh, and Halo. So I do feel like I can speak on like the topic of GameFi really well. Um, and just going to your point of like, is GameFi going to be the next narrative? Probably. Reason why. The coins are the coins are down over like ninety six percent. Now there's probably a lot of people out there who have lost a lot of money that want to pump their coins. When you're looking at it from a game point of view, a game might be built on blockchain blockchain technology. Fantastic. Does it need a coin? No. Do I need? I I was really bullish on NFTs for for video games at one point, but I'm like, well, I don't really need them. I mean, it'd be great to go and kill the Lich King in World of Warcraft and get like an <clears throat> NFT set. But it's not really needed because I've already got the armor, right? I don't need some kind of like contract or, you know, digital ownership and identity because I own that. It's on my account. There's a massive argument like, you know, 
uh, crypto gaming gives you ownership of your I've already owned the account. Yeah, I but wouldn't I would just say about creating an economy? I mean, like one point that I would bring up is that you look at a game like Eve Online, which if it was probably made today, they probably try to make it into some sort of blockchain economy, right? Uh, I don't know when was this published. This was uh, I don't have a date for this, but at the time they estimated that the GDP of Eve was seven point five million dollars, according to the company's chief economist, Doctor. Yigel for Goodmanson. Oh, well done. <laughs> I just so I played. So I played yeah. Eve Online. I've still yeah. got three. I still have three accounts that are probably worth a small fortune. I've won three alliance tournaments. So what's interesting about Eve Online is that it's actually a sandbox game. There's only one server, and they talk about the butterfly effect, where pretty much everything in the game is made by players. Every all resources are mined, and I think that just to come back to what Dan was saying, I don't. I don't agree with Dan completely. I think there are aspects of Dan's argument that are correct, but what I disagree with is that one of the fundamental problems with gaming, and especially MMOs, massively multiplayer online role-playing games, is that you don't actually own that account. There's there's a whole thing around real money trading. RMT is forbidden. It's not allowed. You know, these companies are deriving profitability from the accounts through your eyes on their screens on in their game, and they don't want people... To transfer accounts where i see the real value of on-chain and true true ownership that is bestowed upon you as the account holder because that's the whole purpose of this whole decentralized space is that you're essentially creating an economy outside of the economy that is in the in the game and it's the the value of the account itself and i think i don't think anyone's managed to get it right up until now i think the real test of this thing is going to be how do we prescribe value in the game, outside of the game? Are they tied? And how do we marry the two in terms of market sentiment and value? Mm -hmm. And until we get to that point, it's just going to be more of the same where it doesn't really matter whether it's on the blockchain or not, guys. It's like, and I think that's where the bridge needs to happen. I think there's like, like, I mean, if you look at someone like Immutable at the moment, Immutable is a really interesting company. They've, they've just done a deal with Polygon. Um, and it just looks like they might have the right idea around models and ownership and economies that might land up playing out into the future. And it's something that I've only recently discovered. But I think that if they focus on the NFT concept, not as a, not as a, as a, like a, a flat picture, but a, an NFT as an account and the value that it is, is prescribed, then I believe that gaming will take off. And coming back to your question, you know, like is GameFi that kind of like the gateway drug into crypto. I think, I think I still believe that it is. I think it really is. But the games need to be really good. I think the games really need to be engaging. What makes EVE Online, in my opinion, one of the, one of the greats, and not just because I've played it, but it's, it really is about this whole community-driven thing. And we all know in this room that if you want success in the crypto space, build a community, build a cult. If you get that right, Success will follow you. Yeah. So you say that uh, most of these don't need their own um, coin or token, but do they need their own uh, each game? Do they need their own L two? Because... Well, hold on. Let me let me just stop for. I think that's a really in. good question. I think yeah. they probably do. Why not? I mean, if you if you if you are entering into a sandbox environment where you don't want to have, like, look at World of Warcraft. In my opinion, the biggest fault, and even EverQuest, even 
RuneScape, all these games, it's all about shards. I mean, the whole idea of shards came from Ultima Online, where they had like 15 servers, I think it was, and there's a great story behind it. But they couldn't house 20,000 players on one server. So they said, let's just put 2,000 players on 10 servers because it's easier for us to manage. Mm-hmm. Whereas the real the real value is scalability. So obviously an L2 that can scale and you can put 100,000 players in one game and then you've got a real freaking game, guys. You know, then it gets interesting. Yeah. So yes, an L2 for a game, why the hell not? I think that's where blockchain can really can, can yes. help gaming. But I don't think you need like three or four different different coins or whatever. I understand what you're commenting about uh, the real world trading Jedi, but when you look at in-game economies, like the degenerates on RuneScape and World of Warcraft, they built their own. Like yeah. you had all these devs in like, like let's say, you know, some of the other games have passed. They tried to create an economy and it, and it failed. It just became like money grabbers and people getting wrecked. You should never play a game and well, financially money. get wrecked. It, it doesn't make mm-hmm. sense. Like mm-hmm. you play a game for fun. Like to play a game and lose like 20 grand or, or whatever people lost because of a token and, and an in-game economy that doesn't work. It's just ludicrous. Absolutely yeah, ludicrous. ludicrous. I agree. Well, I do want to bring up in that in that uh, video game economics paper that I was just showing about uh, EVE Online, right? So yeah. they say the bloodbath of BR5RB, a 21-hour culmination of a years-long Cold War between two rival powers, an estimated 300 to 330,000 US dollars in in-game items, like yes. actual value of items was destroyed in resources, not accounting for inflation. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't. I think people don't mind. Like, if if it if it culminates in these like huge battles that determine the fate of the server. So you know, so like, you know, you know how they derive world. value. In, you know how they derive value in Eve Online. This is fascinating. You guys are going to love this. What the developers have done is that at one point in the historic, so so Eve Online is like fifteen years old now, right? But if you log into the game. It's probably one of the most exquisite games you'll ever see. It was built on Python. They've really updated it. I was logged in two days ago. It's fucking awesome, guys. It's a beautiful game. Their value is prescribed around the sale of game time for ISK. So Interstellar Credits is what the, the local current well, not the it's actually the it's actually the um the currency in Finland. They often Reykjavik is Finland, huh? Iceland. Iceland. So yeah, so they're Iceland based. They're in Iceland, but they were a family business that started and one of these big producers bought them and they basically named the, the in-game economy after the local currency in Iceland. So it's ISK is the currency and the value that is prescribed, the $330,000 that's been prescribed there is basically translating the value of ISK in game time. So it's called Plex, P-L-E-X. So 30 days of Plex cost two and a half billion ISK. And then that gets translated in the value of those spaceships. So Titans would probably cost around $2,000 a pop. And that battle I know about, I know good mates of mine that were involved, there was a lot of ships destroyed to the value of 330 grand. Um, And it's all derived from game time. So if you want to actually RMT in the game, you can do it through the developers, buy game time, get Plex, and then sell the Plex for for ESC on their market. And their market is the most robust market you'll ever find in a game. And that's how these guys are able to analyze everything. Yeah, they have. They, radical, they actually have like, uh, like, like we said. There's like chief economists. They have a whole team of economists that that take a look at uh, like the price of ISK, the inflation across the economy, what resources are you being, know, being priced at. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they've got 15 years of economic data to back up how to manage the 
their their it's, game now. It's it's incredible. It's a sick game. I mean, yeah. it's like it's such a rad game. That's it's, in my opinion, it's the best MMO that's ever been made. But the learning curve on that thing, it's like there's there's like graphical depictions of like a vertical cliff and then people <laughs> falling off it, you know, before they can actually get into the game itself. I mean, they've made it easier. It's a lot easier to play, but back when it started, it was impossible. Um, you know, and you, you're flying with the with the Z axis. You know, it's not like other games where you got the X and Y axis. You got the Z axis to consider. It's yeah, it's it's a mind job that game. But yes, I think it's a really good example in terms of like value prescribed in game into the real world, and then how do you translate that? You know, within the blockchain context, because that's what GameFi try to do, and how how I think they failed in its very essence. Um, you know, I think like DeFi Kingdoms had a really good run, but imagine if they hadn't relied so much on Jewel and they actually just focused on the game. I think it would have been a really successful game, and it probably would still be, probably be played by five times the amount of people that are playing it today. Or like the Axie Infinity yes. run that happened as well too. So like today, there was a story that the uh, Philippine police, Philippine National Police, uh, believe that that the play to earn schemes are riskier than investing in crypto uh, because you're actually losing your time and not just your money. <laughs> um, yeah. Axie probably is the, the poster boy for all of this, right? Where. Uh, failure. Yes. Yeah. Like half the Filipinian economy switched over to playing Axie at one time. Uh, I'm, I'm being like facetious in my, or hyperbolic in, in the amount of like players I'm saying, but actually a lot of people came in and started playing from the Philippines uh, where they could make, you know, like five to $10 a day. Uh, they set up shop and it, it just, the whole economy was crushed in addition to North Korea coming in and, and stealing all the ETH and the bridge as well too. Um, so, so one of the guys in chat was just saying that he doesn't believe that that game fire is really something that's going to do what needs to be done. And I think in many ways, in its current form, I agree with him. I think he's right. I what, think about, what, about, of, hold, what about this? What about just integrating stable coins into games? Because talk, like one of the big sticking points that I've heard from game developers many times is that the, the fees that are charged by the credit card companies and by Apple are insane. So off the top, Apple just takes a 30% cut of everything. Yeah. And then because games are considered like high risk by pretty much every single card issuer, uh, there's a lot of chargebacks. Yes. Uh, you potentially are paying like upwards of three, four, five, 6% on every single transaction that you're taking in. So more than a third of all your revenue that you're taking in from the game is just leached off the top before you even see it. Uh, and if you integrated stable coins somehow, uh, potentially, I mean, in theory, you should be able to get around the the Apple uh, like cut that they take. The fleecing. The fleecing, I mean, yeah. Yeah, the fleece. I mean, you saw the case that Epic Games had <clears throat> with Fortnite. I mean, that was really interesting. Um, I agree with you. I think that's a really good case for crypto as in stable coins entering into the game. One of the things that surprised me about Fortnite is that you can obviously buy in-game currency. What's it called again? But you can't trade the currency between players because guys obviously scam and you know like use stolen credit cards and the rest of it. But if you had a stable coin environment, surely that would eliminate that problem. 
from credit card to in-game currency and then from in-game currency between players. Mm -hmm. I like the uh, fraximalism here. Every game gets its own stable coin, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> so well, sure, why not? Like, yeah. You know, any like... of you um on been around on chain long enough to remember Satoshi's dice? Yes. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, some guys still whole... collect those. You know, like the whole thing. I know Eric Wall's big on that. Likes placing bets and getting people to 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 get. Get the sent to him. Um, just in terms of in terms of the the whole idea around gaming, I think I'd like to just elaborate in terms of what I think is going to be the gateway drug. Just so that I'm clear to obviously your the guys in channel. I think the, the gateway drug in terms of gaming is actually gambling. I think if you if you look at what Rollbit's doing right now, I think Rollbit's not just about leverage trading. That's what we've been focusing on. It's also about the gambling side of it, roulette and slots. And that's how we're going to attract the normies. They won't even know they're using the blockchain. It's cheaper. It's faster. It's got a lot of value propositions. And I think we just got the whole gaming thing wrong. It's gambling, guys. That's where the gateway drug lies. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a bunch of different variations of that. I remember back in 2017, we had First Blood ICO, which was going to like slap a gambling layer on top of uh, CSGO uh, where you could like bet money against the team that you're playing. And yeah. uh, I don't know, a lot of people have tried this uh, to, to implement like a gambling layer on top of games, but we really haven't gotten to that point yet where it's just accessible mm -hmm. uh, at the level it needs to be, or it's really just has that like market. Like most of the, most of the things that really do well in crypto have this like self-reinforcing marketing thing where like, the Ponzi goes up, which draws in more people, and then it goes up even more, draws in more people, and it's just it's just self reinforcing at bringing new people in, uh, just because of the like the 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 volatility of the of the asset which people are trading, uh, or is being implemented in the game, right? That you can farm or do whatever with. Um, I I think we've I think we've probably gotten to the point where the like the Ponzi-nomics have been tried a million times now by pretty much everybody, and so everybody knows the the shtick, right? Like if you're gonna if you're gonna come in and drop a new game, somebody's already probably figured it out already, and um, it's hard. It's really hard to create like new systems that people want to play, uh, and they get really they because it's so PvP right now, they get figured out really quickly. So there has to be something stickier that gets people to stay, like a an, an actually fun game. Um, and I haven't seen any of those yet. I was going to ask the question. We, we lost Dan. I was going to ask you guys the question, what your thoughts were, you know, in terms of like what we experienced in the last bull markets and what still remains. What do you think we can expect in terms of like, you know, ideas around innovation? I mean, do you think that there is, have you seen stuff? I mean, you guys are speaking to guys every day as are we. I mean, have you seen stuff that really, like, you think, wow, this is something that's going to really, like, put an edge on DeFi and maybe potentially change the way that we do business in the DeFi space, um, as opposed to the Ponzonomics and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, but it requires, like, regulatory approval. And it, without without the the feds saying that you can have decent banking rails and that we have at least some laws around stable coins or 
company formation or like like anything that has to do with you know securities laws and everything like because there's such a, a gray area across the yeah. entire industry right now like i don't think it really matters how good of a product people are building like until those things get figured out we're, we're going to be in kind of crab land for a long time so in my humble opinion like this bear market has been phenomenal for innovation like we yeah. saw Frax V3's been coming out. It's like super innovative, Curve USD, like all these amazing developments like across like uh, you know Ethereum and all the side chains. I'm super not looking forward to the the bull market though. Because we're gonna see at some point, maybe in my lifetime, like another like 90 day cycle where it just goes up, up, up. And the innovation when like everyone's actually flooding in the space is all so stupid. Well, right? like, it's debatable. There was a lot of good things that came out in the last cycle. Um, you know, I, I think that you know, these, the bigger projects take years to get going, right? And a lot of the things that we're seeing now were funded back in 2020, right? <laughs> like Solana was funded originally in 2017, 2018, right? And it debuted like at the perfect time to catch the wave. So I, I it's, it's really just cycles. Like everything that's going to be big in like 25, 26 is just getting funded now. And they're going to have like a one to two year building cycle. Um, so it, it it just takes time and and I think like that's why things like are getting they're getting built now are just like getting themselves positioned to capitalize off this next bull run mm -hmm. but then like in these bull runs like there's no or very little oxygen for these things because people are just like aping into whatever is offering ten thousand percent apys no that's not true no 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 that's not true like I, I think it's just that it's it's very difficult to predict the next narratives right uh, like the exact next narratives i think you can position yourself by, by thinking about like what could be big, right? Uh, but it's hard to say. Like, uh, you know, back in 2017, could any of can anybody have predicted the like Alt L1 rally that we went on for months and months and months that Solana would do like a go from like a dollar to two hundred dollars in the space of a year? Uh, no, I don't think so. And then the total and utter collapse of like pretty much every Alt L1 chain, other than Ethereum, and then the move to L2s, right? Like nobody would have seen that back in like three, four years ago, um, you know, these narratives, the market forces drive the narratives and they take time to shift. And, um, you know, the best thing you can do is just try to position yourself and, and think forward about what could be big uh, and hope you get a couple of winners. So I think you're both right. I think, I think Curve Cap, you are correct. Is There is that scenario where the oxygen does get sucked out of the room. And Sam, definitely right, because we've gone so far in this journey. Like we... Like, you're right. I mean, you look at 2017 and it was all ICOs and it was actually so, like, one-dimensional. It really mm -hmm. was silly when you think about it. It was like there was nothing there. And now you look at it and it's like we've got stable coins, we've got borrowing and lending, we've got yields, we've got... That's fucking insane, man. Like, the context of that is just mind-blowing. Well, let me, get you was... the, let me get your opinion, actually, uh, on something. Like, where would we be if SBF had been a good actor and not a piece of shit fraud. Like, wh where would think, we be in the market? I think we'd be in a much better place than where we are right now. Without a shadow of a doubt, we'd probably find that if he was genuine around... So the big thing, the big enchilada that you presented here was regulation. He was supposed to be the guy that was going to sit down and actually be the go-between and be a voice for... The, the, the voice of reason for crypto, but obviously mm -hmm. that wasn't the case. But imagine if he was and he was a good actor, we'd probably be like a lot further than we were than, than we would be from a regulatory perspective because 
particularly for the U.S., which is the fuck, which is the world leader. We need that. You know, even yeah. though it's easy for us to say, well, the U.S., screw the U.S., we actually do need the U.S., irrespective of whether I live in South Africa or, or, or Australia or freaking Papua New Guinea. It's irrelevant. The point is we need you guys. Without you, we can't, we can't build the ship and go. And he was like a big part of that, and it's now not happening. We probably lost two years, I think, easily. Yeah. Yeah, this is what it, this is what life would have looked like it had Sam not rugged us all. <laughs> the, the Citadel, there it is, guys. Yeah, <laughs> but I, yeah, you're right. We probably would have been in a much better place, like politically. Uh, the it probably wouldn't be as so distasteful uh, on the on the left for for people to engage with crypto. Like obviously, it was it was happening. Sam was leading that charge. Uh, we may not have liked the endpoint that it got to because he was working, you know, his intentions towards promoting FTX and kind of shutting everything else down. Uh, but who knows? I mean, it's, it's, it, it, who knows We're, you know, we, we've just had like this massive conflagration of Celsius and Terra and Genesis and FTX and three arrows capital and just a laundry list of what turned out to be the worst actors in the space, just all washed out within the space of 18 months and billions of dollars of capital destroyed gone forever uh and i think the the people who might have been interested at the time because like a lot of boomers who came in during that time period were were saying like oh my god like look at these rates like rates that the fed is providing are like zero one percent i'm getting ten percent i'm gonna one and a half percent on a 10-year treasury like i can come to crypto and with stable coins, I can make 20%. I'm making 20% APY, maybe even more, right? Markets going up as well, too. There was this time period on the centralized exchanges where the funding rates for Bitcoin were like 30% APY <laughs> in the in the in the you know uh, peak of the of the upwards part of the, the bull market. It was insane. And so I think like once that evaporated, once all the yields kind of dried up uh, and people were scared off, they lost a lot of money. Um, you know, it takes time. There's got to be a lot of narrative shifting to get those people back. Everybody's wrecked. Not just it's not just that like GameFi is wrecked or Alt L1's wrecked. Wrecked is like everyone is wrecked. Like the the only people who are like coming out of this uh, with any sort of like goodwill are like the new projects that weren't around in the last cycle. So like Arbitrum, Optimism, um, you know, Polygon to some extent, uh, Base, right? Like the new shiny things that that don't have a token uh, and are just providing the next layer of infrastructure. Correct. Yeah. I, I, I just just stable coins will be will be the biggest market. In the space because yeah. at the end of the day it comes back you know dan kind of jokes about cross-border transactions it's actually probably one of the most valuable things that we have you know like people joke about tron and the tron network the tron network exists and is what it is because of usdt and the use of usdt for cross-border transactions game the gaming scene is reliant on usdt in terms of how asia transacts with the west when it comes to selling items in computer games just by the way that's a massive market that no one knows about no one ever talks about it but you know people have eight hours a day mm -hmm. that they work or 10 hours a day they want to play these computer games they're middle-aged they've got five kids 
or they want five kids. Um, Sadly, so you can't play. You can't play game. video games. Five kids, you're not playing video games. So you go and buy that time <laughs> from people who have the time, and they sell it to you, and you pay them in USDT, and that's why the TRX network has all the activity that it does. People are like, "What, Tron?" I'm telling you right now, the majority of that money are gamers selling products to Westerners through the Asian markets. Hmm. It's really that simple. Wow. Stable coins are massive. I mean, and and it's, and it's really the crux of this whole thing. Um, and that's why, as you said eloquently, we need regulation around this. Well, does will will the L okay? Like, Tron's provided a nifty way for anyone in the world to get access to USDT and transfer it really cheaply. Uh, these L twos that have come out have not really been able to to suck away any sort of demand for USDT transfers off of Tron. Like, is there a reason for that other than maybe like bypassing Iranian sanctions or I don't know, entrenchment of Tron as a like Asian you won't, Asian you network. Won't ever pay, you won't ever pay more than a dollar to transact to send money, no matter if it's ten dollars or whether it's a hundred million dollars. You just don't pay more than a dollar to, to, to send USDT on the Tron network. TRC twenty is the absolute bomb when it comes to cost effective transfers. Mm -hmm. Don't some of these like new L twos like have cheaper fees than that? They just haven't attracted. It's insane. I don't know why. You're right. It's like they could be like a fraction. They could be like 10 cents. People are like, well, it works. We don't have to change. We'll keep on using it. Because I've been using base, and base transactions are super cheap. Yeah, like, they're very cheap. They're yeah. great. And, and it's fast. Well, Arbitrum Arbitrum's sitting at what, like 15 cents or something? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, but you, I mean, you've seen this kind of malaise across the entire market. I mean, you, like GMX was the poster boy for uh, for the last quarter, right? So Q1, uh, and they've kind of filled out and their rates, like their, their rates that they're paying out on GLP have dropped to like three, 4%. Um, it's gotten crushed, I guess, as the money's flowed in. I mean, they have $850 million worth of, of assets sitting in that contract uh, and without volatility, which we haven't had, um, you know, no one's going to get paid. So maybe we just need volatility to come back in the market. We need to dump down to, you know, 1200 again, to 20,000, 18,000 on Bitcoin, get everybody riled up into the world stuff. And then we can wash out and get out of these crab markets. Do you think we need another washout? No, no, no. I don't think so either. No, I think we've had sufficient pain to be honest. I mean, I have said Q, that Q90 market only, down. <laughs> yeah, we're ninety percent down. Actually, more. I mean, if you bought Hex, you're ninety-eight percent down. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, well, if you bought, if you bought some... Star Atlas, you're like ninety-nine point nine five percent down. It's almost oh. a zero. I mean, Star Atlas is effectively having a slow road right now. That's my opinion on the matter. I read, I read quite a an interesting thread. I think last week actually, the guys were talking about it, and it was like. The sentiment was that it's pretty much a slow road now. They need way too much more money, and they're not in, a, in an environment to go and raise another hundred million because mm -hmm. yeah. that's what they need. Yeah, it, it's really unfortunate because they—I mean—they were on the precipice of making some cool stuff. Um, but like, if 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 I told you next year that uh, at the end of 2024 that the price of Bitcoin was what it is today, twenty-eight thousand five hundred. Would you be surprised? Nothing will surprise me about this space. 
<laughs> really? I mean, I know it's a bit of a cheesy answer, but it really won't. Uh, I mean, anything can happen. I mean, you know, like you could, I mean, what was really, you know, what was really interesting is that you had the chairman of BlackRock. I mean, this is like the biggest mm -hmm. asset management company on the planet. I think he really tried to pump his Bitcoin bags and even he couldn't do it. <laughs> Mate, you if, know, whereas... if Taylor and Larry Fink combined can't pump Bitcoin above, sustainably 30, above 30K, 32K, we yeah. are doom and gloom. We're boogered, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely boogered. You've got two of the biggest, apart from Jedi, Bitcoin maximalists trying to do everything they can to do it. Like even, um, so what, we had... The, the London-based exchange, uh, sorry, London-based asset management firm finally released and launched the first uh, spot uh, Bitcoin ETF over in Amsterdam. Nothing yeah. happened. The market nothing didn't happened. Like, literally, the price of Bitcoin did nothing. And so it's the banking rails. Another year, probably. Yeah. It's the banking rails. Uh, like, Silvergate, gone. Uh, Silicon Valley Bank, gone. Gone, yeah. Uh, I mean, what, I mean what, what reason... Is there for like, for example, what's the reason for my mum and dad to uh, to get into crypto? Apart from me to dump my bags on them, absolutely nothing. Like mm -hmm. they can go get like a better savings rate down uh, down Lloyd's or in HSBC or something. Yeah. Do they really need to understand a lot of this? I think until we, until it becomes easier, simpler, and more user probably like the biggest words is like secure and user friendly. As soon as it becomes secure, I think you have tradfi again. Maybe not so much opening, but they might start pumping it a little bit more in the in the media. Because let's be honest, you can't have an industry that's that basically had like what I think last year six bajillion dollars stolen from it, and then all the rugs, and then but all these like bridge exploits from all of these devs who claim to be, you know, the best thing since you know sliced cheese. You know, multi chain, huh? Yeah, Don't yeah, exactly. You can't you can't have so much. In an industry that's technological, you can't have all these like security fuck ups, basically. Excuse the French, but it's the simplest way to put it. So, is this it, introducing like full account abstraction uh, where you know you you don't even know that you have a wallet? You just have an account and you have money on it. Yes. And there is no idea of gas. Uh, you just, you want to send dollars? I want to send your mom dollars. I just send her dollars and she gets it. Right, and somebody else takes care of the transaction costs for me, minus, minus the fees on everything. You know who I think is the closest to to getting this aspect of crypto right? I think it's Radix. Radix is a mm -hmm. really interesting ecosystem. They've been in development for the last 10, 11 years. Um, they they were going to launch actually three weeks ago, and then they no, it was a month ago, and then they basically said no, no, we need, they they only have one chance of getting it right in terms of setting up. Yeah. It's called Babylon, right? So we've researched it like within the blockbase context. That's why we know about it. Good bunch of guys. But it's like, like I asked a question and I said, but guys, it's taken so bloody long to yeah. build this thing. <laughs> yeah, right. It's yeah. taken 10 years. And he's like, this is the thing. Like good stuff takes time to build. Don't mistake technology, foundational technology that takes a long time to build as being something that isn't good. That's what takes time. Internet wasn't built overnight. It took a long time to set up TCP IPs and, and what what drives the internet now. And this is the same. Sure, software and app development is fast and furious, but infrastructure development takes a long time. They believe that they've solved the whole wallet and essentially the account abstraction problem. 
or challenge. And I, th I believe that they have. I mean, we've done a lot of research on what, what they're planning to do. And if they get even half of what they say that they can already do, I think Radix is going to be a very, very big narrative in the next bull run. And it will be technology that will further and, in fact, will land up being the one taking the oxygen out the room, potentially, as opposed to the other way around. Well, haven't they been? They've been launched for a long time, haven't they? I mean, they... yeah, they've been running. It's there is, but they aren't at the moment. There isn't. They aren't Texas. So what they've done is that they, 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 they rollout has been let's get the tech right, and then once we've got the tech right, we then fund protocols that can be the basis of any, any ecosystem. So decks, naming services, you know, all the foundational stuff. Nurture them, bring them in, fund them, let them go out and do their thing in a decentralized way. And then we'll take care of the technology. We obviously make money on the fees in terms of running this thing through nodes and the rest of it. And then we will encourage, you know, obviously adoption through the ecosystem itself with dApps coming in. Yeah, but how is that any different from what like Avalanche, Solana, Aptos, Swiss? It's no Street? different. It's yeah. no different. The only difference is that it's technology that allows for you to scale in a way more efficient way. Like their scalability, it's all it's around the, the concept of shards. So you're not actually creating a continuation that relies on the connection before or after it. It's actually an isolated entity that almost communicates. So if you've got something that's running, oh, it's so difficult to like like explain because it's almost like it's like a jigsaw puzzle, and the jigsaw puzzle is connected as isolated entities that communicate with one another through a messaging system, very much the way that Layer Zero does. It's like I'm I'm really using a bad example. If 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 Dan Hughes heard me. Trying to explain this in this way probably hit me, but it's pretty much along those lines in terms of like simplifying it. Like they solve the scalability problem. You won't have issues with gas. They've tested it. They've done huge loads on it and it just doesn't affect it because of the scalability and the sharding effect that they've got going. Probably the TLDR on Radix is keep it on your watch list and add them on, on Twitter and just watch yeah. what they do. Mm -hmm. That's probably like the simplest way to do it. Yeah, well, if, if I'm like looking at this and, you know, hoping for also on like Solana as well too, right? Like, uh... It's an R1-ness. This is an R1. This is its own thing. Yeah, it's so Solana is so, too. I mean... so you, know what, you know what Layer Zero has just integrated with, with Radix as well? They announced it two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. so... Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, at the end of the day, it really comes back to like, who's going to move billions of dollars of stable coins onto their network? And like, Correct. you have Justin, who's always going to have 10 billion... USDT on Tron, right? And then ETH is going to suck in a lot too. Uh, but like looking at stablecoin issuance on these, even the Altel ones like Solana and well, obviously Solana got like shafted by FTX, uh, but uh, the Avalanche and the other ones now, Phantom, who got completely rubbed with multi multi chain or sorry, um, yeah, with multi chain, um, the the non Ethereum. Stablecoin lands, non-Ethereum, non-Tron stablecoin landscape is not great at the moment. No, it's not. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, if Radix had a plan to bring in a billion dollars worth of stables, uh, maybe $10 billion worth of stables, and then it would be interesting. Um, but outside of that's that... Why, that's yeah. why I think you need to keep them on your watch list. Maybe go and buy a couple of shekels. <laughs> and then when you when you thousand X, then you can send me a bottle of some really good tequila, sir, and you'll remember today. <laughs> Not financial advice, of Not course. Financial advice. <laughs> but that is definitely culinary advice there, right there, ladies and gentlemen. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, Are Brits allowed to offer culinary advice? I didn't realize that. No, they can't. Uh, uh, I, I just piggyback off Jedi. Je, 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 when, when, when Jedi puts up a bri, it's like a nice barbecue. Oof. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, you know what, what, from an innovation perspective, I think what's really interesting from a DeFi perspective is efficiency around everything. Like whether it's, whether you're lending or borrowing, whether you're issuing stable coins, like obviously, you know, from from all the kind of like the decentralized players, Frax and, you know, all other company included. It's like, in my opinion, like the real like cool stuff is how do you do it efficiently? And how do you like make make it so that liquidity actually works? You know, so you don't land up having at the moment, there's a whole lot of this capital that's sitting around. It's not really doing anything. Imagine if there were mechanisms that would allow for for us to be able to utilize that liquidity in the interest of those that own it, but also in the interest of those that want to trade or want to do stuff on chain. And I don't think we, we're anywhere near that yet. You know, whether it's cross chain, whether it's, it doesn't matter. The point is that we need to get there because what the fuck is the point of what we're doing right now if we can't? And I think the next wave of innovation is going to be about that. And it will be really interesting to see how it, how it plays out. I mean, one of my, my really like what I'm really bullish on is tapioca DAO and what they've got planned. I think tapioca really does something that's that's I think they're very ambitious with what it is that they want to do. They've proven that they can, test net shows they can, but that's cross chain, layer zero, liquidity, borrowing, lending, and stable coin issuance. If they get that right, even if they get 10% of what it is that they're aspiring to do, that'll be a huge shift. For everyone because it will really set the bar i believe especially for crv and 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 try crypto because now you'll be like we can deploy liquidity everywhere we don't have to rely on these pools that are sitting in one place we can actually do it everywhere at any given point in time and that's a game changer hmm. yeah well i i think the we're getting close to wrapping up do you guys have any last points that you wanted to to get into I've been ranting nonstop. Ah, I think I've made sense of what's going on. Uh, so, so those of us uh, who mm -hmm. don't know, where should uh, people look to find you? Uh, uh, Twitter names are what you see below our names here. So Dan Blockmates, Jedi Blockmates, blockmates.com. We've got blockmates.com as in blockmates.com, the word, is the main Twitter account that Grant is primarily on. Um there's quite a few of us. There's Mike Blockmates, but we've got a Discord. If you want to get into our Discord, just go and check on my profile uh, on Twitter. Yeah, come visit. Um, very much DeFi orientated, very much around what we spoke about today. Um, and we write long-form articles. We, we're here to educate. We're here to have fun. And we don't take things too seriously most of the time. Uh, I guess last question. Uh, when Bitcoin goes to zero in the cycle... What are you guys going to do? We fucked. I mean, if it goes to zero. <laughs> it li literally, like, uh, I had this conversation the other day. So I was like, how would you even sum up the last few years you've had in crypto to, to an actual employer where you've got to sit there in a suit and a tie and you can't wear a snapback because you've got to wear like a little dicky bow or whatever? How would you sum that up? I'm boogered. Bitcoin can never go to zero. No, I hope it never does. I hope we carry on with what it is that we're doing now. Yeah. I haven't had this much fun ever in my life, and I'm definitely one of the oldest in the room most of the time. So 
and I've done some pretty cool stuff in my life, but this is definitely topping it uh, even when the rugs kick in. <laughs> you go be a uh, open your own tequila distillery. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Dan, Jedi. Happy to have you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks, thanks for, for having us. Thanks yeah, for letting us rant and be ourselves. Appreciate it. Appreciate the cool vibes that you guys have here. It's real and keep it up, guys. Really appreciate it. Well, it's all thanks to Garrett. He makes everything happen here at Leviathan News. Um, and we will be back tomorrow for the penultimate. Wait, no, this is the penultimate for the uh, for the last episode of the week tomorrow, Friday. Hopefully it's good. We got some news happening. Uh, and uh, hopefully the markets haven't dropped another 10%. So we'll see you guys, and we'll be back. Take it easy, guys. Thank you for having us.